Alright everybody, welcome back to TCG Cast episode 104 and we are going to have a ton of fun because we're going to talk about a brand new trading card game that you might not have heard of that's starting to really make waves out in the world of trading card games and that is going to be Altered TCG and with us is a very special guest to talk all about this game and that is Dan from Main Deck Games. How are you doing? What's up everyone? It's Dan with Main Deck. I'm doing great, Sergey. It's been a it's been a while. I'm so happy to be back on your cast with you. Yeah, the last time we hung out was in the old Star Wars Destiny days which uh <laughs> been, a, been a giant circle of Here's where Destiny is. Here's where Destiny was. And uh, hilariously, at the time of this recording, by the time people are listening to it, uh, you and I are going to be in Minnesota playing some games with the Fantasy Flight team Ooh. on the weekend of February uh, 9th, 10th, and 11th. Are you excited about that, too? I cannot wait. I am so I'm so excited. I, you know, I, I tell everyone who uh, I go at some of these podcasts, they ask, you know, like where I started. I started with the Star Wars customizable card game. Um, I've played tons of Star Wars iterations of games, most of them, but like the, I, I didn't play the one based on the MMO Star Wars galaxies. Like that's maybe the one I didn't. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm pumped about Star Wars Unlimited. Um, I'm excited to be there on the ground floor and I'm super pumped just to get to meet uh, a lot of the other content creators and have some more time with the devs and everything. It's going to be a ton of fun. Yeah. It's, oh, I'm so excited. But alas, the, that is not the primary focus of this episode. We will definitely talk about that uh, later next week. And we'll probably do another interview on site, which is going to be hilarious because right now we're recording over the internet. But in just a few days, we're going to see each other face to face. So it's like, all right, time to take some pictures, play some games, have some food, just goof off. Yeah. Um, but the game we're going to be talking about is Altered TCG coming from Equinox. And it is a French team that is uh, run through Asmodee. So hilariously, Asmodee is going to be pumping out Star Wars Unlimited and Alter TCG this year. So they've they've got some uh, some work to do. But for <laughs> those who don't know anything about Altered, why don't you give everyone the elevator pitch on you know what Altered is, how it plays? You know, so someone who's listening goes, "What the heck is this?" They kind of know what they're getting into as they're listening. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh Altered, it's kind of tough to give an elevator pitch on it, but I will do my very best. The The key points to Altered are um, basically Equinox was looking to sort of rekindle the magic, the original magic of TCGs uh, by pulling in um, you know, some of the experience that people might have had when they started playing TCGs in the days before we had the internet and before you could just know every single card and you knew everything your opponents played. And they're doing that by sort of modernizing. They're doing their best to kind of modernize TCGs, and they're kind of wrapping it all up in this approachable um, and inclusive and just kind of like, they like to say they focus on optimism. So they instead of a, being a TCG where you fight each other, it's a TCG where you actually, you build your deck and you use your deck to race your hero and companion across a little track um, to try and be the first to make them meet up uh, between you and your opponent. Um, you have two sides of the board that you play here, uh, excuse me, characters to, to guide your hero and your companion across that. Um, and each turn you're kind of competing against your opponent in different stats that are based on where your hero and companion have progressed to. Um, so instead of just kind of like beating each other up, you're doing this whole race thing. Uh, and the really innovative thing about this game, the, the whole modernization component is that. Um, they are using a system of uh, QR codes on all of the cards, something that's been done before in TCGs, but not quite in the implementation that we're seeing here. Um, and by scanning the codes into the app, you get the digital sort of ownership is the best word for it, but it's not like a blockchain. It's not like an NFT thing. Um, it's just that you get basically the right to be able to use those cards in a tournament. And then the right to be able to actually print more copies of the cards. Um, you still have to like own, you know, three copies of a card digitally in order to play three copies of a card digitally in a tournament. So just to like, that's a really common misconception people have. Um, but the idea is that, you know, you can, you get this deck you like, you get all the digital ownership of everything basically, and it gets stolen or it gets destroyed or something. You can just go print another one. You just, print another one off. We've, we've removed some of the issues that people have in TCGs of like, you know, I want to build 600 decks, but I only have so many cards. Well, once you own a few copies, you can just print them on. If you want to play casually, like go for it. 
Uh, if your you your deck gets stolen, that's not a worry anymore. Uh, it's it gets rid of a lot of cool issues, and then also makes it really fun because you can use the marketplace that they're developing to buy and sell cards globally without having to ship anything. You just sell the digital cards, and then you can your the buyer can print them in from Japan if they want to. So that's that's the fastest I can make the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Altered is a, a little tricky when it comes to explaining, but we're going to use this podcast as an audio tool to kind of help uh, deconstruct or unpack what you just said, because there's a lot of really cool things going on with the game. Uh, it's not very traditional at all. And I think that's one of the most interesting things about Altered is it has a lot of things trading card game players enjoy, but it's taking a very different approach, which could shake things up. Uh, it, it might not. We don't know. The game's not out yet, but I have high hopes for it. So the, the first thing I want to unpack is printing cards. You said that if you have a digital license, you can print as many cards from anywhere. Can you tell uh, elaborate a little bit more about that process? Because I know what it is, and I think it's really cool, and it's pretty like future-forward thinking. Like I like where Equinox is going with this, and I kind of hope we see other games mimic this this thought process of getting cards into players' hands. Yeah, so so the basic concept, like I said, is you'll have this digital ownership um, of some amount of cards. It'll and and the way it's the way it works digitally, right? Is it's like if you've ever played World of Warcraft or any, I mean, basically, literally any computer game now, where they have like they sell you skins and everything. You know, you effectively digitally own those, but they're stored on the uh, the database of the whatever game it is, uh, the their servers. Um, those have the problem where if you know if the game if they stop having the game anymore, they take it down, then you no longer own them, right? You just like you can't access them. they're they're gone. Uh, altered, of course, you own the physical cards still as well. So it's it's it kind of gets around that a little bit, which is nice. But when you have that digital ownership, then you're able to through their app or through their website. You know, this is again a lot of the stuff like you said. It's not out yet. This is they've explained how it works, and uh, there is some amount of just like, well, when this is live, this is how it's supposed to be. Um, but as you said with Asmodee, it's a you know it's a pretty well backed idea that we're we're not just like hoping on someone's kind of someone's dreams that this will be the case. I think we're we're seeing it uh, develop day by day, but. Um, you're able to then go to the website, order some amount of copies of those, however many you want, and they will then they use digital printing system with Cardamundi to print them to demand exactly as you order, and then they will just mail out the cards to you. So you're not like printing off printer paper, right? It's a, they're going to print you the actual like on card stock, the actual cards, and then mail them out to you. There are a few caveats to this, and they're still kind of like finalizing exactly how that's going to work. Um, for the last I heard, it's batches of 20, um, with starting at a minimum price of a dollar per card. So you need to have like 20 cards you want to order. Um, and then it'll be kind of at that, at, uh, sorry, maximum price of a dollar per card, I should say. And then it will go down the more cards you order. And they're working on putting in systems where like you could go to your LGS and place an order through them, which they can just kind of batch into a big order of all their locals and then ship it off so that you don't have to meet those. Like it's not like you have to go buy $20 worth of cards at once to get the the three cards you need to finish your deck. Okay. So we've got a game where you can open a booster pack. You get all of these cards and they all have a QR code at the bottom right hand side of the card. You can scan them into an app and then you can choose to print uh, innumerable copies. You can print 10, 220,000. What what does that do for the player? Because as you said, you've got these digital licenses and it's kind of a one-to-one. -one. If you have a digital license, you can use one copy of that card in a tournament. So why would you print additional copies outside of the play set of three for this game? Yeah, sure. So um I, you know, I have a lot of lot of TCG experience and I've played competitively many times where I've had multiple deck ideas that I want to have built or maybe, you know, I just I had a battle box I wanted to build to play a certain game where like everyone can just grab a deck and we can just go to town. 
So you'll get these games often where it's like, well, you know, I have only owned three copies of this card and it's like a, it's like a $50 card and I, it's no way I'm just going to go buy more, just to have another deck built at the same time. Um, so a nice advantage of this is if you have a few copies of, an, of a card that's, that's worth a little bit on the secondary market, then you can just order as many copies as you want, slap them into any deck that you want to play, um, or order some copies just to just to uh, use casually in whatever you want, or hand off to friends so that they have them. Um, I could see, you know, a group of people. Let's say like five people get in the game. A couple people like a certain faction. Uh, you know, like I said, they can just kind of group up their orders like that. Be like, oh, you know, why don't you order a few more copies for me too? Because I need to order that card anyway. Um, that's that's a nice benefit. Not to mention, like I said, just having extras around if your deck gets stolen at a tournament i could imagine maybe someone who is being extra cautious going into a tournament might like want a backup deck ready to go or something um it's maybe overly cautious a lot of the time but uh, especially given that in altered people are going to be less likely to want to steal your deck because of this exact reason Mm -hmm. um but yeah, I mean, those are those are a couple of the cases where you'd want to print extra, I think. Okay. And then I, I can already hear this question in people's minds. So say you and I meet up at an event, you give me a copy of this $50 card. So the way we've talked about the game so far, you own the digital license. You know, let's just say the card's called Water Bottle for, you know, argument's sake. You've got the physical copy of this card. You've got the digital license for this card. And you give me this copy you've printed so i have a physical card of the water bottle card how does that work if you know i want to play the card in a tournament you want to play a card in a tournament because there's only a singular digital license here although there's multiple copies of the same card so the the digital is actually what like ultimately matters um for if there's one digital ownership between us of this card only one of us is going to be able to play it in an, in an event. Um, the cool thing is uh, we can say, you know, water bottle is going to be really good at this event. Don't worry. I printed you three extra copies. You just put it in your deck and then they can go, oh, cool. I'll just open up the app and then go find the lowest listings on the on this sort of public marketplace where people can just put their digital ownership up for sale and they can just go buy, buy, buy. Cool. Thank you. And then they can grab the physical copies from you. And you can, and they can immediately use those in the tournament. Um, so, it if they if you know if they want to, you also have the ability to like pass off trade uh, trade off digital ownership with someone just as you could normal cards. Um, and they they said they're actually also working on a loan feature as well. So if there's someone you trust, oh. you can just say, oh, you know what, I I don't need to play water bottle today. So let me just you know open up the app. Let me just loan you these copies. And then you hand them the physical ones and then they are good to go. Oh, that's cool. Actually, you know, I bet you it's like a timed license thing where yeah. you can loan the license for 24, 48 hours and then it comes back to your account. That's actually kind of cool. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm tracking with you here. So uh, the other thing that makes Altered very interesting, and I know you're very excited about this, is a unique card system. So the rarity slots for Altered are going to be common, rare, and unique. And when they say unique, they mean unique, as in if you pull a unique card, it is a one of one until you choose to print additional copies. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about this? Because there's a lot of card games that have uh, air quotes, unique cards, but usually they're numbered or they're alternate arts or there's some kind of special rarity but they're not actually unique. They're just reprints with cool, shiny, special things. Whereas Altered is genuinely unique. Yeah, this. So this is the part of Altered that I have seen. I mean, I've you know I've seen people who are like trepidatious about the digital ownership thing, which I, I totally get. A lot of this stuff is going to be like it's new and it's it's new territory and it's kind of weird. Um, this is the one where I've seen the most people who totally understand it. And just go, yeah, that's not really for me. Um, or they say that in kind of less kind words, but I get what they mean. That's what they mean. <laughs> right. Thank God it's a family friendly show. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so the unique thing is to me personally, something that I find extremely exciting um, to be able to work with. So to understand what they're doing here, I think it helps to step back and just look at kind of how they structure the rest of set one, which is called Beyond the Gates. 
so in this set, there are, oh, I don't have the number in front of me, something like 162, I think, 163, something like that. Um, basically, individual card names, okay? Um, and each of those card names has a piece of artwork associated, and that's actually how many commons are in the set. So every single card has a common version. Um, then there are rare versions, actually multiple rare versions of each of those commons. So there's actually twice as many rares as there are commons. I've never seen that in a card game, but that's that's how it works in Alter. But you get you get three rares per pack just to before we get to go too crazy there. So they're not. It's not like that hard to find what you need. I think, but uh, or it won't be. But the uniques are where things get really interesting. So um, in as the cards level up in rarity, basically from common to rare to unique, the artwork does change a little bit. Um, and it's supposed to tell a little story of this character or something or show it might show like different seasons in the background and have different things going on. Um, but that unique version of the card now, there are going to be, well, there are two rares, there are going to be countless unique versions of every single common card. So again, let's, let's use water bottle because it's a great example of a not real card. Um, we'll say you have a, you have your common water bottle and then you have your two rare water bottles and now you have your unique water bottle. The unique water bottle will look very cool. The artwork's going to be like extra, extra watery, extra bodily. <laughs> and then the effect is going to be the part that is going to be completely unique from unique to unique, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. So every yes. unique is going to have that same artwork, right? But um, the effect will be different. Now, the way that these are made is through a... Uh, I actually got to see it last weekend. I got to see the algorithm written on the boards wow. when I when I was visiting the Equinox studio. Let me tell you, I had no idea what was going on on those boards. It was a lot of math. It was a lot of like some some pretty serious stuff. But they have this effectively, or at least I saw a part of it. I'm you know I don't know, but I saw this algorithm that was laid out that they use to figure out how to generate these cards. And is it involves taking for every card? Um, there's like a base. Uh, well, since it's French, let's say it's a there's a there's a je ne sais quoi. There's a mm -hmm. a certain essence to the card that they need to leave intact. So if water bottle is a card about you know um, giving you well, there's not even life in this game. But let's say water bottle is a card about healing you or something. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, so that would always be the case when you get your unique ones. They'll always have something to do with that. But then they take different components of the cards, things like the cost, things like the stats. Things like different, you know, types of effects that would make sense for it to have that they can break into maybe individual components as well. And then they have this algorithm that just sort of creates variations of all those different things mm. um, to create a unique version that is only yours. When you open that unique water bottle, then you scan it into your app. And now you are the owner of that version of water bottle. And guaranteed no one in the world while you have that ownership can can have that card in a tournament they can't they can't possibly use it you're the only one who can um obviously you know the the people who aren't super excited about this like well I, you know i like going into a competitive card game and i i want to know I want everyone on the exact same footing 100% I, I you know i don't want anyone to be like they have that special card so they you know they have the potential to do better than other people. Um, the, and I, and I see that, you know, I, and I, I, I usually just tell those people that's totally cool. There are like, there are like 30 different card games right now that you can play that do that. And that's awesome. Mm -hmm. um, I'm excited about this idea that, uh, and the way they do deck building, there's a, there are rarity restrictions. You can only use three unique cards in a deck. Um, and I'm excited about the idea of, I go to a tournament for altered and in my deck, I have three cards that have the potential to surprise the opponent. Three cards that they have never seen before, probably, um, and they aren't necessarily going to expect. They have the exact same potential back to me. So in a way, there's that, there is still that sort of balance, right? This like, we both have the same potential to surprise each other with these three cards. As long as that algorithm isn't and and the, there's going to be a variation. Some some cards are going to be better than others. This is a card game. Some effects are more useful than others in more mm -hmm. situations, right? But but we both have the same potential to sort of track down a few uniques that we think are will be good for our deck, or maybe put in ones that are less expected, um, and and surprise each other. And it's going to it's going to have just a little bit of that extra 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 flair 
right? When you're in a tournament, it's like, oh, I did not think that you would have a card that did something like that. But now I'm going to figure out how to adapt and how to work around it. Um, and that's that's what's exciting to me about Uniques. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of TCG Cast. We appreciate each and every one of our listeners for joining us on this week's episode. If you'd like to help the show out, definitely make sure to follow us on our social media accounts, such as Twitter and Facebook at TCG Cast. Also, you can help support the show by picking up your trading card game accessories and singles at our sponsor, alchemistrefuge.shop. This is one of our favorite places to pick up cards for Lorcana, Pokemon, Magic the Gathering, and soon, Star Wars Unlimited. All the information and more will be in the show notes. So thanks again for joining us, and let's get back into this episode. I think that uniques mimic something from Keyforge that a lot of people like and dislike and that is the variance so you could have one card with 20 different permutations and some of them have better stat lines some of them have lower casting costs some of them have superior abilities some of them have a hybrid of some of those things we just mentioned but the cool thing about altered by far is a unique is genuinely unique. No one else will have this. Even if you print a bunch of them through Cardamundi, you still only have a singular digital license worldwide. And for a, a game to do something that ambitious, I think is very cool. Whether it works or not, we'll see. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> Keyforge got cracked and somebody figure out the algorithm. So I, I hope that doesn't happen. I don't want that to happen. But uh, math is something you can progressively, you know, reverse troubleshoot or figure out over time. So we'll see what happens. But um, the fact that you only have three individual uniques in a deck is not as problematic as cracking the code for the entire deck printing process, in my opinion. Right. So, so I don't think if someone did crack the code, it would be as game breaking as Keyforge, since their entire game was built around an algorithm where this is just a singular card type. And I think, too, just bringing up Keyforge, you know, I, I did play a bit of Keyforge as well. It was kind of the hot thing a few years ago. Right. So, like, we all like jumped in, I think, and yeah. and tried it out a little bit. Um, and, you know, again, it's the, that fact that the unique component of it is just that small size. I like to I like to math it out for people too. This is one thirteenth of your deck. We're using thirty nine card decks plus your hero, so you have three cards in there that are of the thirty nine that are that are going to be that kind of special that flair that like extra extra impact card. They are a little stronger than the rest of your deck, like generally speaking as well, but. Um, whereas you still have that full control over the rest of your deck that I felt was something that I found as, as someone, I didn't get like super into competitive Keyforge, but I did find it a little frustrating, um, that I just had to keep kind of like buying decks <laughs> until right. I like finally found one that I think is going to be okay or something where, um, even if I can't find the perfect uniques, I will still have. 12 thirteenths of my deck being exactly what I want, full control. Like I'm totally comfortable with how all these things work. And then it's just a matter of like, like hunting down. And then, you know, we have this, the other thing is that integrated digital marketplace, right? Where mm -hmm. I can just go like, and we still need to see exactly how uniques work on there because they're not just, I don't think they're all just going to show up because then that kind of spoils it. Right. But I think when, yeah. I think people are able to put them on uh, on the marketplace. And then you can kind of go hunt down and be like, Oh, you know, I wonder, I, I could really use a unique version of water bottle. Uh, I'm going to go see which unique versions are up mm -hmm. on the marketplace and see if any kind of fit my strategy, um, that I want to pick up the digital copy of. And then just, you know, it could, they could be someone who owns it in Germany and nobody has to ship anything. I'll just print it on demand, which is really right. cool too. Yeah. So let's, let's kind of pivot to the deck building aspect because that's another thing that, is I think really brilliant. So for those who are listening, if you've ever played Magic, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, you know, Lorcana, Star Wars Limited, enter name of ga card game here. You generally, nine times out of ten, have a fairly free flow, unlimited style of deck building. If you want to play all commons, all rares, all mythic rares, whatever, there is no restriction on your deck building options. 
Altered plays the game a little bit differently where you have a 39 card deck plus your hero. So technically 40 cards and you can use three uniques maximum and 15 rares maximum and the rest have to be common cards. So the game will always have cards that are playable in all three slots and that is not something we've seen in many games. Usually, most of the time, if you're thinking about Magic, the Big Daddy, you've got a high propensity of lands, because you need them, mythic rares, and rares, with the ever once in a while common or uncommon if you're playing, you know, blue control or red <laughs> aggro, just because some of your, you know, best things in red are going to be common or uncommon for your burn spells. And then control decks have, you know, counter spells that are pretty low to the ground. But nine times out of ten, your deck is going to be packed with rares and, and mythic rares, which cost a lot of money. And because they're rarer and harder to find, their price point goes up and the cost of your deck goes up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. With the deck building restrictions of you have to run commons, no question about it, and you can only run 15 rares. And it's in any combination you want. So the uh, the playset is three. So you could run five copies of a rare at maximum three of, or you can run 15 individual rares or whatever you want. It seems like the cost of a deck should be pretty low to the ground, minus some uniques, which we don't know how to feel those out quite yet because one of ones in some card games are really expensive. <laughs> <laughs> and one of ones and other card games are kind of expensive, but at the same point, you don't need the three uniques necessarily. And if you're the kind of person who wants to have really good consistency for a tournament, maybe you don't take three wild cards. You take one card at three of, so that way you're going to see that card more frequently. So like, let's talk about that deck building perspective. Uh, w did you get a chance to talk to Equinox about why they decided that way? Cause I, I know people are saying, oh, they're forcing me to play commons. I don't I don't hate that. I, I'm really upset that my collection is like hundreds of commons that I'm never going to play and are probably useless. Yeah, it, I, I was actually pretty excited about it. Um, and I uh, so I guess I, I can't say I've talked to Equinox like directly about that decision because it never like occurred to me. I just thought it was a, a cool idea. Um, at some point they had this, con this concept. Um, I think this is pretty early in the basic concepting of altered, which is this idea that, uh, the cards can all tell a story and they'll have like, they'll have one card that, you know, like I said, becomes the rare version and then becomes the unique version. And, um, I think they just really liked that concept of having a card have, uh, have like stronger versions that you have access to. So I think it was just kind of built into the basic DNA of the game. Um, I can say that after uh, this past weekend when when I was with the team uh, in Paris, I had the pleasure of getting to test out a draft, which really helped open my eyes to uh, just kind of how the the collation of the set works when you, you have all these packs that have uh, common versions and then sometimes rare versions of these cards. We didn't have, it was a no unique draft, by the way. There were no unique cards, unfortunately. It would have been really uh, fun to see those. Yeah. Um, but so every pack just had three rares and then all the commons in it. Um, and it was just kind of fascinating how it worked. It was like my, my brain kept kind of like, you know, fizzling a little bit. I was like, I, I opened a card, a, a card it was called crack the Kraken. It was a, like, clearly it would have been like a big end game, like mythic rare monster in like magic or whatever, a mythic rare creature. And it was a common. And I, and I ha had to keep like re I had to keep correcting myself because I looked at it and was like my initial like magic sensibilities chimed in. I'm like, well, it's just like a, it's a, it's a common high cost creature. So it's probably pretty bad. You'd rather have like a big bomb and rare or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, no, 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 wait, it's, it, it exists at common and rare. And the common one is still just as good as like, as any other high end threat. It's just that, you know, if I if I were to build a deck and put the rare version in, I would it would be at the expense of putting in some other rare in the deck. Right. The the rarity is is in effect a new cost in the deck building that you have to take into account. And building decks, we also got to build constructed decks with fifteen rares there, where we we worked as a team and we are all we had a, like a pool of rares that we could use, and we had to figure out who should get which rare to like optimize our decks, um, and while still abiding by the fifteen rares per deck. Mm -hmm. It was a, it's a fascinating 
deck building puzzle that I like, I immediately like wanted to basically just do the whole day, like figure out how to optimize these decks because I was sitting there, I was like agonizing over, should I put uh, the spindle harvester rare in my deck? I was like mm-hmm. debating this for like, sitter, like for like 10 minutes, I was sitting at this table, like just looking at spindle harvester rare and be like, if I put this in, I have to take out a different rare. And I, and I like, no, I, I need this rare. No, I need this rare. I need this one. And like, I think when people really dig into that and start to explore that, it, the, the commons aren't a, aren't a cost to you as much as the like they're they're all they're all good they're all playable cards. It's different than a lot of TCGs, but it's that the rares are just a little bit better, and they're so limited. They feel so limited in the deck, even at fifteen, which is you know getting close to half the deck. Mm-hmm. Um, as fascinating, man. It's so it's so cool. Yeah, I think that the the people who like to deck build and play test. Maybe they're competitive. Maybe they're not. Just people who like to build and play are really going to love Altered because there are going to be lots more permutations of decks. So like something I'm seeing in the Lorcana community is you'll have two colors and it'll focus primarily on a theme. And if someone goes to a tournament and wins an event, usually there's like one or two cards that got slotted out, but like the shell the skeletal system of the deck is primarily the same 90%. When I look at altered, there's going to be massive shifts within colors of here's a deck that does control. Here's a deck that does mid range. Here's a deck that does a hybrid and it's all in the same color, but you're slotting out certain rares that can do control effects that give you like anchored or mid range effects. And I, I really feel like Alter is going to have some really significantly interesting deck construction because you're not slotting out that one card, like most traditional card games where it's like, oh, here's a more efficient version of Water Bottle. So we're going to play Water Bottle 2.0. No, if it's a rare, you're going to have to take out something that's a critical part of that skeletal system, which means you, you might have to shift the deck as a whole to incorporate that new Water Bottle card. And like that just, that makes me really excited because stale deck building and stale metas are one of the things I hate about trading card games. Like once a deck gets solved, it's it's just kind of, all right, well, what's the best variation of this deck for the current time? And I think altered has so many options that we probably won't see that in the future. Obviously with set one, set two, there's only so many permutations, but once you get to set three and set four, we're probably going to see colors running, you know, three, four, five different variations on a deck. And uh, that's pretty, pretty spicy. I can, if you don't mind, I can give you an exact example of what you're talking about that mm-hmm. happened this last weekend. So I was, I was in the, I was in the Muna faction. Um, yeah. It's the one that I've grown the most fond of because I just really enjoy the, it's kind of, kind of an interesting play style where you're trying to keep your cards into play multiple turns, which they normally don't stay in play for multiple turns and altered mm-hmm. um, and kind of grow them up over time. So I was playing uh, actually an unspoiled hero, which I will tease a little bit. I can't give you guys, I don't think I can give you guys the exact effect, but yeah, I was, I was playing a hero called Arjun whose effect, it, it was something that allowed you to keep your things in, in play a little bit more. Whereas the, the current Muna hero that they've showed was more about growing your guys. Right. Uh-huh. Um, so I was playing him. And as we went through this faction tournament, they kind of unlocked more cards as we went. Mm-hmm. Um, once we kind of got our first burst of rares and everything, I had this big pivot where I kind of I, I pivoted from this sort of starter version of the deck to actually a full on uh, instant win combo card um, strategy. Oh. So there's there's a card that is a, under a fairly strict restriction. You win the game kind of a wow. situation. Okay. And I looked at my stuff and I was like. Well, Arjun actually helps me a little bit with that. He he meets one of the requirements. And mm. then I have a couple other cards here that can be used defensively or can help me set up the other requirements that I need. And I thought, ah, you know, I might actually, this, this might be achievable. Um, I played it for one round against one of our worst matchups, unfortunately. And, and I got beat down and, and I noticed we were starting to lag behind a little bit in the score. So I thought, you know, I'm sure in the full game I could really refine this and, and actually make it a little more consistent. But right mm-hmm. now I'm going to pivot. So I pivoted away from this combo deck into uh, not back to the normal starter deck, which I, I could have just kind of gone back to some of those same cards and, and kind of just powered that version of the deck up. Um, but then I, I saw some other cards and thought, actually, I could go a plant 
uh, tribal, typal, kindred, whatever term you want to use. I can, ah. I can, I can go into a, a plant kind of tribal deck where I'm not full. I think there's a full plant tribal that might be that might use Arjun. It might use uh, one of the other heroes. I'm not sure. But I found a little bit of a synergy between some non-plant and some plant cards, and I thought, ah, I think I can. And because Arjun was able to keep these out multiple turns, mm-hmm. that allowed me to meet that requirement of having a certain number of plants in play in order to enable those without having to play all plants in my deck. As long as I was clever, as long as I was setting up my turn, a turn yeah. in advance, I could set those up. Um, and I've, I I found actually some really good success with that and, uh, and was, uh, you know, scored a couple of wins in the next few rounds using that strategy too. So I had, I basically had three different decks, even with a limited amount of these cards available to us that I thought all had some good viability to them. Um, and that is, you know, that was only using one of Muna's three heroes. And that was also, uh, without uniques, which you, you might get a unique that sort of enables a certain deck to be a little more potent than others as well. Um, Mm. it was, yeah, like I said, it was just fascinating. There was there, I could have built probably more decks too. It was just really, really fun to explore that. Yeah. That freedom and flexibility really gets me excited about card games because there's certain card games where, it's very traditional, very straight to the the core. You get the certain combos, you play them out, you sequence properly, you win. And then there's card games where you have a little bit more flexibility as a, a deck builder and a player. So you can have some player expression, you can have some agency, you can make very unique decisions that will impact your win or loss. And those are really what, what pull my attention because... You know, if you've been playing competitive games for a long time, you're very used to the classic Magic the Gathering. You know, you hit cards on curve, you play, you want to hit certain cards at a certain turn, you want certain things to go off, and if they do, you're probably going to win, and that's fine, but I love having games where you're sitting at a a fork in the road with multiple decision trees, and each of them have a unique outcome, and you have to really think about, do I do one, two, three, four... Maybe there's a fifth door I don't even know about, and we'll go through that once you play your card and I realize, oh, there's there's that unique I didn't know about. So there's a, a card I didn't have accounted for, so now I have to figure out what I'm going to do about that. And so it, it really gives you so many cool things you can do with building a deck, playing a deck, experiencing two decks at an event, um, and then in the, in the moment you have to make choices that are very integral to whether you win or lose. And uh, the power level for these cards is not, it's not so broken. So I I think of Bandai where sometimes you'll have a card that's just like God tier triple S OP. If you don't have this card, you don't win. I've yet to see one of those cards in altered. And I like that because I don't like having a, a, deck or a meta that is the best and if you don't play that you just won't win that's very depressing to me yeah i i haven't seen anything like that i mean you know part of that is due to the faction system mm-hmm. um the fact that you you're, your deck in this game does have to be like if you're playing muna it has to be all all muna cards um which you know prevents some of that kind of like staple stuff from from cropping mm-hmm. up and we also find that you know i found that there there are answers in pretty much every faction um to uh, a lot of the threats that you might see. Um, the other clever thing that Alter does is, you know, I mentioned there are two rares for every common. Um, one is that kind of like powered up version of the common. Uh, but one is actually what we call, we call an oof. That's what the community has decided to call them. Oof, oof rares, which means out of faction. Um, <laughs> when you say so, that, I hear Roblox like oof. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it was really funny that people latched onto it. Um, but yeah, oof rares. Um, I was calling them faction shifted for a while, but I, you know, I guess I got to jump on the the community's vote now. Um, but those are basically instead of getting this, uh, you know, you have like if it's a Muna card, if water bottles a Muna card, there is going to be a rare version of it that's in Ordis or Izmir or you know Bravos, one of the other factions in the game, and those those have a variety of different kind of instantiations of them. Some of them are just the exact same version as the common. Mm-hmm. But in that other faction, mm-hmm. which is like the the game's subtle uh, faction tax kind of thing, like the way that the aspect penalty works in Unlimited. Yeah, um, it's that you sure, yeah, you can play that card in Bravos if you want to. It's just that 
you have to use the weakest version. You don't get right. to use the like the rare special version that's more powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them are, you know, what if this effect had a few words changed and suddenly it it went from the color pie of Muna to the color pie of Izmir? Um, so instead of looking for a uh, a landmark type card in Axiom, it might look for a spell type card in Izmir is a great example because Izmir, mm-hmm. are the, they're the mages. They like to cast spells. Um, and that opens up a lot of, I mean, those open up crazy deck building, uh, potential because like for, <laughs> for Muna, for example, is the one where everybody plays the Muna starter deck and they go, okay, I get it. They are not going to do anything to your opponent. They're just going to grow a big tree and hope that, you know, that's bigger than your opponent's stuff and you can win. Um, well, that's not true. Once you start looking at the faction shifted cards that go into Muna, it, uh, it turns out Muna actually has a little bit of interaction, but you have to pay the cost, which is mm-hmm. that you can't run as many good Muna rares in your deck if you want to use some of this out of faction interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, like right there, when once once I experienced that in person, like my mind was doing the the you know mind exploding meme uh, <laughs> kind of thing. It was like it was like. Yeah, I was like, okay, okay, okay. So, uh, I can't, like, I don't even know how to decide now because, like, obviously, interaction's good. I want to have it in my deck, but then it's at the cost of having the really powerful Muna rares be consistently coming up. So, um, how competitive players will take this tool set and craft powerful decks? I I would be surprised to see a a best build really cropping up rather than a couple of solid builds, um, if not multiple for every single faction. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's just like that, it's just restricted the right amount of deck building where where like, I think there are multiple viable routes and it's just going to come down to kind of what you like. Yeah. And that's that's what gets me excited. So for example, like uh, we've, I've worked on a deck with a guy named Dash and it's a, a Yzmir Mage Dancer Control. So the cards are going to fluctuate but the main idea is there is a rare mage dancer that says every time you cast a spell it gets a plus one plus one token we're not going to get into all the details on that and so it gets bigger as you play spells which you want to do because you're a spell slinging faction but at the end of the turn if you have three plus one plus one counters you also get to draw a card and naturally the game lets you draw two cards so you could draw three cards a turn if you have one powered up mage dancer. If you have two of them, then you draw four cards. So you're trying to put this character on a board, make him really, really big, hard to deal with. And then you draw cards and then you try and keep that character on the board using spells and abilities and you rinse, wash, repeat every turn. Well, that card gets pretty big and pretty nasty pretty quick. So, the spells that enhance the mage dancer might shift as more cards come out. But the idea is it's a mage dancer shell. So I agree with you. You're probably going to see, you know, this shell for this deck and that shell for that deck. And then the cards that support the strategy will differ depending on the pilot and their deck building prowess. And you're, you're building that deck without even the good hero for it. Oh, don't. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah, there's a hero that you'll really like to see. You'll be very excited to see it. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, uh, (laughs) before we get on out of here, why don't you give us the elevator pitch for the factions? Because there's six colors with six different things they do. And I think that'd be a great way to cap off this episode before we go and play some games. And we're going to record those so people can listen to this and then watch the games on YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I've I've had the pleasure of doing this for a few different people. So I have it pretty fast at this point now. Yeah. Um, this is a very fast breakdown. Six different factions. Ortis is the faction of building wide, playing soldiers, playing tokens, building an army, basically. Um Muna is the faction of building tall, like growing like a tree over multiple turns. Bravos is the faction. You just imagine fire. It burns really bright and then it burns right out. So they have a a big, fast push, but they can't go forever. Um, Axiom is the faction of of, uh, if if you're the type of player who likes to make a big uh, Rube Goldberg device of a whole bunch of engine <laughs> machines, engine parts, and they just build this thing that gets you cards and whatever. That's the faction for you. You want to check that, check out the Axiom faction. Lyra is the faction of randomness. It's pure, like pure random, dude. It's yeah. like, yeah, we're going to oh. either you're going to, you're going to go, uh, you're going to hit the jackpot or you're going to 
totally uh, lose everything. So um, <laughs> that's not totally true, actually. That's that's the fun way of putting it. They, they have a little more control, especially in their other heroes. But the heroes that they presented us right now are the dice rolling one. Um, but they they have um, that's it's the most kind of I think the most nuanced faction because it's very chaotic, mm-hmm. but there there's a control to the chaos as well. It's a that's I, I guess that's all I can say until you see more stuff. Yeah. Um, and then finally, Izmir, the faction of the wizards and basically just the control faction. So they aren't going to build big and really uh, unless you're doing that very specific strategy that you're talking about. But they mm. they're often just trying to put small stuff in play and then control the opponent's board and win with their smaller numbers instead. So yep. that's those are the six factions. That was fantastic. I I absolutely love it. Okay, so we know that your favorite faction right now is green, which is Muna. Uh, what's your second favorite faction? Ooh. Oh, man, I've enjoyed playing all of them a lot. Um, <laughs> honestly, I, I, am, I kind of am fond of Lyra, especially after seeing some of their other heroes and some of the other stuff they can do. Um, they can, they do kind of Muna esque stuff sometimes, mm-hmm. um, but they are so unpredictable. I think that's the thing that I think is really really fun <laughs> about them. Yeah, that the you know I think your opponent can be prepared for a lot of matchups when they see the hero, but not necessarily the yeah. Lyra one. <laughs> no, not even you're prepared because there there is actual <laughs> dice rolling. There are ways to mitigate. So I don't I don't want people listening going, oh my god, why would I play this game? Like there there are tools to help control the dice rolls, increase the number on the die. Um, I do like Lyra a lot. I think they have some of the best artwork in the game by far. Mm-hmm. Yep, and and I, the dice rolling is limited to the Lyra and and Lyra adjacent cards as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not playing Star Wars TCG here, where we have to roll dice just to figure out if we deal damage. Oh God, no, <laughs> not again. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's a really great way to kind of wrap up the show because we could talk about this game for a long time. There is so much more to it than what we just discussed, and this is really the tip of the iceberg. Um, what, like before we get on out of here, so what are your thoughts? Because I know you've posted on the Discord about the fact that Altered has, at the time of this recording, two point one million dollars with twenty three days left to go. It funded in two minutes, and prior to this, some of the games that we've talked about, so Sorcery TCG was the largest kickstarted trading card game prior. And uh, Altered has blown those numbers out of the water. So Altered, Altered has blown their day one. Yeah. Um, Sorcery still has a higher end goal mm-hmm. uh, and end amount, but Altered is on track, um, yeah. I believe, right now. I've been I've been watching Kick Track a little bit, and it has to adjust because it source. Uh, excuse me, Altered has such a such a huge start um, that the the adjustments aren't quite there yet uh, for the trajectory, but. I, you know, I think it, there's the potential for altered to beat sorcery. Um, and you know, in my opinion, uh, the altered plan, and I, just pure opinion, by the way, um, the altered plan is a little more robust than, than sorceries was, um, was slashes. So I, I, I think it's going to do pretty well once it gets, uh, once it gets out of Kickstarter and starts getting towards retailers and, and, uh, backers in july yeah so yeah if you're listening to this and you think huh this sounds kind of fun go check out the kickstarter it'll be in the show notes they have uh print and play decks so you can play them for free at your house there are uh explanations and quick start rules there's basically everything you could possibly need to understand what is altered how do you play altered then they've also got all of the stretch goals that they're punching through there's different rewards where you can buy starter decks or booster boxes or a combination of those things and then on top of that for those who are uh, more of a visual learner visual enjoyment of medium uh, Dan and I are going to play a couple games, record it, and we're going to put it up on YouTube for you to enjoy. So depending on what you want to do with Altered, there's going to be something. And then you've also got your own channel as well as some really great how to play videos. So let's wrap this show and you can pitch yourself and where people can find all of your amazing Altered content. Oh, well, thank you so much. Yeah, uh, I, I run Main Deck. So in Main Deck, we cover a variety of TCGs. We do a little bit of stuff, kind of, we, we hit a lot of different things, but I have a few that I focus on that I'm really passionate about. 
um, Altered, Star Wars Unlimited, and another Kickstarter game called Grand Archive are some of the ones that we focus on the most there. Um, and we do have the ultimate how to play altered video that just released, uh, last week that, uh, I, you know, I, I hear good things about, so I definitely recommend you, you <laughs> give it a look ultimate. as I, it's, that's, that's just what I named it. You know, I, I was, I ambitiously named my series of how to play videos. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, but yeah, pe- people seem to like it quite a bit. So that might help you explore kind of how the game works a little bit more. If this, uh, if this quick podcast didn't quite give you enough, um, and give you maybe some of the context that you need to watch these gameplay videos and understand that. But otherwise, you know, in main deck, we just love TCGs. We love gaming. So we welcome you to our community uh on youtube on discord all that kind of stuff um and uh just would love to chat tcgs with you oh yeah all day every day the only thing the only complaint i have about this video is it doesn't deliver a pizza in 30 minutes or less to your location oh man i tried to do it but it was against youtube terms of service actually believe it or not (laughs) you're you're not allowed to partner up with Domino's. we don't like those guys (laughs) (laughs) exactly but yeah, we're going to put that in the show notes. Again, uh, check out Main Deck. There is a lot, and I mean a lot, of really quality content. We're going to focus on the gameplay, and we're going to let them focus on helping educate people on what it is, how it is, and what to do with it. But yeah, that's the end of the episode. It's been a lot of fun. Um, I just can't believe I'm going to get to see you in a couple days, and then boom, we get Star Wars in a month, and then Altered in a couple months. And like, we're, we're definitely going to have to do some more stuff together. This is going to be a lot of fun for 2024. Four trading card games, man. This is exciting. Yeah, I know. And, and it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on again. And I am totally looking forward to that. This is I'm living high this year, man. This is this is a great year for TCGs, and I'm mm. super, super pumped about all this stuff. So yeah. definitely looking forward to working with you more. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks everybody for joining us. Go over to YouTube, check us out. We're gonna be playing some games, and we'll see y'all next time. See ya. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of TCG Cast. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media at TCG Cast on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And if you're looking to pick up a brand new set of trading card game singles or accessories, go check out our sponsor, AlchemistRefuge.shop. This is where we pick up all of our supplies, and we highly recommend you should too. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode. We'll see everybody next time. And remember, play games and have fun. Thank you.